0: Well, when I was about five years old, we worshiped at this contemporary worship service where you all sat together in a circle and we sang Christian folk songs and my dad played the guitar. And like some of you, I see you out there, like some of you, I would sometimes get a little bored. Well, on Pentecost Sunday, the pastor at our church had hidden all these balloons by these air conditioner units that were along the side of the walls. He secured them safely behind plastic trash bags. And when that story that Stephen read was told and it came to the part of the rushing wind and the tongues of flame, somebody turned on the switch to all those air conditioner units. And the room was suddenly filled with balloons and a rush of air and the roar of those units as they came to life. And little five-year-old Kevin was so startled that I jumped out of my seat, much to the amazement and the amusement of the adults that were there in that circle. Well, I still think that Pentecost is meant to startle us. It's meant to wake us up, maybe even to scare us a little. It's meant to make us jump out of our seats and go out into the streets Because Pentecost is meant to remind us that the church continues to be transformed by that same spirit that burst open the doors almost 2,000 years ago. And if that doesn't startle you, if it doesn't maybe scare you a little bit and perplex you, well maybe it should. Because Pentecost is when we no longer just remember and tell the story of Christ's resurrection. It is when we become resurrected people living into the hope and life of Jesus Christ. So will you please join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit, come still our minds and open our hearts. Come stir within us that we may hear your word for us this day and be emboldened once again by your Spirit to live into your story for our lives and for your church. Amen. Well, y'all, you can be forgiven if you forgot about Pentecost this year with everything going on in our lives. I know it's a really busy time in our household, as I'm sure it is with you. Every few years, Pentecost ends up falling on Memorial Day weekend. So this High Holy Day sometimes gets overshadowed by our family celebrations, by graduation, by our memory of those who sacrificed their lives for the three-day weekend for backyard barbecues and I suppose the unofficial start of summer. But if you lived in first-century Palestine, Pentecost would have been like Memorial Day, Independence Day, Thanksgiving, and Homecoming, all wrapped into one holiday. It was a pilgrimage holiday, a gathering of the faithful from around the world. There were old-timers, and newcomers to the faith. There were Parthians and Medes from Persia in northeast Iran. There were Cappadocians from Turkey around the Black Sea region. There were folks from Africa, Libyans and Egyptians. There were Jews who spoke Arabic and Jews who spoke Greek. And there were Eliamites who were nomadic Jews who to this day, no one knows how to decipher that language. It's unique in and all of itself. There were even visitors from the great city of Rome there that day. And it was a party for sure, and perhaps it was not out of the realm of possibility that a bunch of Galileans from the boonies partied a little too hardy, I suppose. See, Pentecost is a a celebration of the spring harvest. It's where pilgrims bring loaves of bread and the first fruits of their vineyards to the temple to praise and give thanksgiving for a bountiful harvest. Pentecost also marks the Jewish holiday of Shavuot, the end of the festival of weeks, a week of weeks, 49 days where the Jewish people would eat unleavened bread and remember God's liberation of the Israelites from their captivity in Egypt and their time in the wilderness. And this was also a time when observant Jews would celebrate the giving of God's Word to Moses in the Torah, those first five books of the Bible when they were still in the wilderness. And to this day, Observant Jews will spend the night before Pentecost or Shavuot reading aloud the Torah to each other. And maybe this is what Jesus' followers were doing back at that time. These faithful followers who believed in the resurrection, but nearly two months later seemed to be still stuck in place. The Spirit blows into that place with the sound of violent wind and flames of fire, reminiscent of that fire and that wind with the giving of the Torah and the law to Moses in the wilderness. It fills the entire house. It fills all those present, everyone in that place, men and women, rich and poor, all those who had come to believe in Christ. And the Spirit, it startles them, it scares them, it moves them out of their seats and into the streets, transforming them into the church. The Holy Spirit births the church as a people who believe, who believe in the resurrection become resurrected people living in the hope of Christ. And like most births, it's noisy and it's messy and it's scary. As common country folk proclaim God's mighty works, and all those gathered can hear in their own language. And the people are amazed and perplexed, like I'm sure some of you are with those pinwheels right now. And they ask, what is the meaning of this? And Peter stands among them, and he raises his voice to address them, and he says fellow Jews, and all of you all here, these folks are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel when he says, in the last days, it will be that God declares, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy... And your young men and your and, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Peter is proclaiming that God's kingdom is at hand, that God's spirit is poured out, overflowing into the world, drenching all of us. It's intergenerational, it's everyone. It's young and old, privileged and enslaved men and women telling God's mighty works, sharing God's presence in the world, inviting people into God's larger story. This spirit literally turns the church inside out, inspiring and empowering the faithful to go out and tell of God's mighty works And it enables all of those present to hear and understand in their own language. You see, the power of this gift is the power that connects us to those on the outside. Back when I was in seminary, we had a big campus-wide potluck dinner to celebrate the end of the COVID restrictions on campus. And thanks to the support of the seminary and the amazing generosity of the folks here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, the Logmani family was able to live on campus after coming from Afghanistan. And we wanted to welcome them. We wanted to get to know them. We wanted to share this meal with them. So we went to the local restaurant that sold halal food. And with food in hand, we came to their house. Now we knew that they didn't speak English yet, and of course we didn't speak Pashto, but we had a secret weapon in our pockets, of course. So when we knocked on the door and two kids came down to greet us, we got out our phones and we proceeded to use Google Translate and we failed. (laughs) But we had these dishes of food and we pulled back the covering, and as the aroma of those spices and those familiar smells rose on the steam, we said, come with us. Come and share this food. Come and eat with us. And that they understood. Where Google failed, food succeeded. (laughs) And I think that that spirit was there present, not just in that moment, but in the people that made that food, in the moment when we shared that food, in the moment when everybody enjoyed that food. The spirit was there sort of expanding out in concentric rings. See, Pentecost is a gift of the spirit that inspires and empowers the church to bear witness to the coming kingdom of God, even in this messy, broken world. The gift of the Spirit, the birth of the church, it's not a gift for us, you all. It's a gift for those outside of this building. The gift is not just given to the disciples themselves, but to those who are gathered, who are allowed to see and hear and understand in their own language. There, in the presence of the faithful from around the world, what began with those few Galileans continues to expand and grow and evolve to this day. Because the birth of the church is not the beginning. Pentecost is not a time of completion. It's a moving into a new type of being. We are not just people who believe in Jesus, telling our story safely behind closed doors. No, we are Pentecost people. We are called to live into that story as we live in the world. We are Pentecost people whose sons and daughters prophesy as they organize book drives for Afghan families, as they go on mission trips, as they feed folks with mobile loaves and fishes. We are a Pentecost people. Where our old folks dream dreams of new foundations that can sustain the church. when our old folks see new opportunities and new outreach and mission and young lives and memory care academy or community first. We are a Pentecost people proclaiming God's work in the world over pickleball and pitch and putt and bridge and mahjong and at Starbucks or at the grocery store. We are Pentecost people called to trust that the Spirit continues to move in this church, continually turning us toward God and connecting us with one another. And this is why I want you to have a pinwheel this morning. I want you to remember that wherever you go as you move, that Spirit moves through that pinwheel. Now, I have to thank a few folks here because I know you all thought I was crazy when I ordered 300 unassembled pinwheels. And th- <laughs> well, they were a lot cheaper that way. <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you all, uh, everyone that helped, Ellen, I know, is, is still recovering from the pinwheels. Uh, Christy wishes we could do more, I guess. And, and, and Joan, also, thank you for your help as well. And, you know, as I was sitting there in the session meeting on Tuesday and I'm putting these things together, I start to think in my mind how, you know, the pinwheel doesn't work when it's just in pieces. It has to be put together. That flat piece of plastic has to be bent over that middle center piece. And I think that's kind of like how our lives get centered when we come together in the church and they get anchored in Christ. And this anchoring, this allows us as we move into the world together, it allows the spirit to blow through us, to change us, to nurture us, to empower us to tell of God's mighty works in the world. May this pinwheel be a reminder that we are a church born to go out in the world. If you notice, when... Tate was demonstrating, I mean, you can blow on it, it'll move, but you'll get awfully tired making your own spirit. It works a lot better when you take it outside, and I guarantee you, when you take it outside, that wind will move and blow it. May this be a reminder to us that our job as Pentecost people is to go out into the world full of that Holy Spirit and to share it with everyone that we meet as we share and tell of God's mighty works in our lives, in the life of this congregation, and in the life of the church.